Good morning. As we, um, it's so good to see you all again and not hear a cacophony of coughing and dying going on in our, our church. It was rough, wasn't it? I mean, man, it was like if you came to the Christmas Eve service, you were down. Um, so I don't know what happened in this place, but it was not good. Um, hopefully we will be better than that. There's that sound that I, uh, yeah. It's funny. I'm, I'm doing it too still. Um, it just has been rough. So uh, if you, we're uh, just powering through and doing the best we can with that. And uh, just, it's good to see you guys again and uh, to see your faces. And uh, it's just a joy to be here. Uh, we are kicking off the year with a, a visioning series called uh, and Reach, Grow, Serve is what we do. It's the three areas in which that is the paradigm, the filter, if you will, that everything that we do around here gets pushed through. Does it reach the community for Christ? Is it growing us as a body of Christ? Is, are we serving the community? Um, and, and so it's real easy to figure out if we should do something or not do something because we just kind of say, is it reaching? Is it growing? Is it serving? Uh, nope. Okay. We're not doing it anymore. Oh, it's a wonderful reaching thing. Let's do it. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the idea behind that. But it also has a very personal connotation to it. I think uh, as we examine ourselves here in the new year, everyone does that. We're making resolutions. We're kind of already broken some resolutions. We've, we're trying to do that. But how are we reaching? How are we growing? How are we serving on a personal level? And then corporately as a church, how do we do that as well? Last week we talked about reaching. We talked about a very intimate uh, portion of scripture in John 8 where there's a woman caught in adultery and how Jesus models an attitude that we should all model of, of just this, this wonderfully nurturing, gentle attitude in which he's reaching someone who is as far away and don't going through a very dark time. And we can learn and extrapolate a bunch of stuff from that passage about how do we um, orient ourselves in reaching the community. And so that's what we talked about last week. This week is focused on growing and, uh, and what that looks like, both growing as a person towards Christ and also growing together as a community because we do both at the same time. And, and when it's working the best, it's happening at the same time. So what, isn't it wonderful when you're, when you're growing spiritually, but you're also growing with brothers and sisters in Christ at the same time? That is that is my dream. That is my hope. And that's really a biblical model of how this uh, all worked out. If you looked at Jesus teaching the disciples over and over again, you have one of the guys, usually Peter, asking a silly question. I don't think God gave Peter a filter. And some of us in this room, he also did not give filters to, so we identify, uh, we identify with Pilter, uh, Peter. Pilter? Peter. Um, and, and as we go, he asks a question, but you, you can't help but think that the rest of the disciples kind of lean in because they're all thinking it at the same time. And Peter's like, Peter's dumb enough to ask the question, <laughs> right? And so Peter asks the question, and, and, we, and everybody else, you, John and, and James and Andrew are kind of like, oh, whoa, 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 what's the answer? And, and so it's this very personal thing that Peter's kind of trying to ask. But the, corporately, the whole of the disciples are growing at the same time. And I, I think especially the way in which we are trying to design life groups is that's what happens in life groups, right? It's really hard if you have a, a life group or a small group. Life groups is what we call our small groups, if you're wondering about that. Um, if you have all introverts in the same room, 
right? Because they're all processing the information, and it's really like crickets are going off in, in the room. You have to have the extrovert in there to be like, oh, what does that mean? And so you have to have the extrovert shooting their mouth off. So all the introverts are like, oh, yes. I don't have to put myself out there. I don't have to say anything. Uh, you know, I live with an introvert, so I understand this, and I ask the dumb questions so Kelly can learn. This is just how that works. That's why I ask dumb questions right there. It's an act of service to my wife. Uh, so. <laughs> I like that. I, think, I like that. I, I just made that up, and I think I'm going to keep it. Uh. <laughs> okay, uh, so... So if you get that feeling, because so often we try to grow in Christ in a vacuum. We try to grow in Christ in in, in this vacuum where it's just me and my Bible and me praying. Wonderful. However, Proverbs says iron sharpens iron. You've got to have some rub because if I'm just sitting there by myself reading the scripture, praying and, and doing my personal disciplines, I can come up with some Silly things. And I get way off there in the tangent. And if I'm not bouncing it off somebody else and saying, hey, what do you think about this? I said, well, I don't know. Here's the other portion of Scripture that works with that. And you've got to come, you've got to wrestle with it, and you've got to come in contact with it. And in that conflict comes the growth, right? Growth is messy. Growth is, is not clean. It's not, it's not a, an easy thing to deal with. And it is, it is something that... Uh, when growth happens, just all kinds of stuff gets broken. Right? Anybody have a teenager? How does that look? <laughs> okay, we, we had a work day here yesterday. This poor kid, he must be growing like eight inches a week, okay? So he's got the, you know, he's, he looks like Shaggy walking, you know, right? He had one can of Mountain Dew. I kid you not, he spilt it four times. I don't know how there was any more liquid in the Mountain Dew because, but what's going on? He doesn't know how long his arms are because they changed from five minutes ago. Yeah, we've, we've, we've all dealt with that. My daughter, I can always tell when she, that poor girl, when, when she is growing, she just falls off chairs. She didn't move. The chair didn't move. There wasn't an earthquake. She just falls off the chair. And you're like, oh, growth spurt. I can't even make that up. You're just like, what is your problem? Eating dinner, you're just... (laughs) I experienced some of the same thing. Um, There's a reason I always have my sleeves rolled up. It's not because I'm hot. It's not because I kind of like the look, which is beneficial to me. But none of my sleeves fit. My arms are ridiculously long. Right? It's like, they just are. It is something that... um, So no sleeves fit me. If I, have to, if I buy sleeves that fit me, it's like a tent here. So I, don't, I, I know I could pay a t- tailor, but that's not going to happen. All right? So uh, I just go with the, the sleeves rolled up look. But when that was happening, when I was 16, I would spill something every day of every, you know, and knock things over. <laughs> you know, it's like milk glasses are going everywhere. I needed a sippy cup is what I needed. Right? And so you guys know what I'm talking about. Growth is what? It's messy. But you know what? Good things come out of that. Good, great things come out of growth. You get to be an adult. You get to experience new things. You get to 
uh, step into new areas. You know, uh, the, what's the, one of the greatest things when you first experience growth and you're like, you see the benefits of growth, I think, is that time when you walk into Cedar Point, Kings Island, Six Flags, whatever it is, and that ride you've not been able to ride for like three years and you wanted to so bad, and now you walk up to that, that line and you're so proud because you're now a millimeter over that ride, right? And you're like, yes, I get to go in the teacups, right? What? <laughs> I get to do this. I get to, I get to ride whatever it is. And, and you feel the... Pre- because the growth has its benefits. And I'm making light of it, but it's the same thing in spirituality is growth has its benefits. It's messy. It causes problems. We stumble. We mess up. God must go, oh, they're trying so hard. So they keep on knocking the milk over. Right? And I think, I think Jesus is talking about this in the, in the verse I want to kind of center in on today is found in John 10. Because this is where I'm trying to go with my personal growth, but also as I lead the church, how do we step into this moment with Jesus? Very truly, I tell you, Pharisee, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is a sh- is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. My prayer for us is that we will know the shepherd's voice. And I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I feel like the stranger's voice wins in my life. If I had six people in this room right now yelling instructions, different instructions to all of us, some of us would go to the loudest voice. Some of us would go to the kindest voice. Some of us would go to the soft voice because we just don't like to be yelled at. Some of us would just sit and cower in our chair and not know what was going on because it was so loud in here. When we have all these voices going on in our lives, we have voices yelling and clamoring for our attention every day, day in, day out, do we not? In that cacophony, in that screaming, maybe it's your kids' voices that you're you're hearing and that are screaming for your attention, but all throughout that, I want to know the shepherd's voice. I want to know Jesus' voice and be able to pick it out crystal clear throughout that. These sheep, these dumb animals know the shepherd's voice and they don't get distracted by a stranger's voice. How do we filter out the noise and listen to the shepherd's voice? I think that comes from growth. We have to hear, actually hear the voice, actually experience the voice, I think, before we can know it. You can't know something before you've never experienced it before or, or nothing. So I think as I was talking about in, in daily in Scripture reading by yourself and talking with others, that's vitally important. Because if you hear something going, leading somewhere, you think that maybe this is what you're supposed to do, but it's contrary to everything in the Scripture... Guess what? That's the stranger's voice, not the shepherd's voice. The shepherd doesn't contradict his scripture. 
but we don't know if it's contradicting if we don't know the Scripture. Does that make sense? We know that? We, we take this for granted. We have it on our phones. We have it on our bookshelves. We have it on our coffee tables. We have it everywhere around us, yet it's not open. It's not being consumed. And if we're not listening to the shepherd's voice, then we're listening to other voices, and that shepherd's voice starts to get drowned out. In my family, we, we used to play um, a game. And it's not really fun to play with my dad because he always wins. But um, we used to play a game with a radio as you, you had to figure out who the artist was on the radio. And it's like, boom, boom. And the fastest person to get it's the winner. And I don't know. That's what we just always did. And um, it's real fun with a scan feature now that they're in cars because you just hit scan and it keeps on cycling through. He can never get the country station, so that's okay. Um, but uh, you just go through them all, and you, you keep on cycling through, and, and you know the voices. But how's the only way you're going to know those voices? By hearing that song before, by knowing those artists, by knowing what's going on. And, and you can pick out a, an Aerosmith song, even if it's a different song, but you know Dream On. You can pick out you know, a Johnny Cash song because, well, this is a Johnny Cash song, but that's Okay. <laughs> You can pick out a Neil Young song because somebody's talking on you. Uh, you, can ta- you can do uh, all these things because you know people's voices. However, we only know that because we've experienced the music, we've experienced that stuff. And as I think about experiencing Christ, and as I think about knowing the shepherd's voice, I go, wow, would I be able to pick that out if it was on the radio? This year, I want to be a year in which I can hear the shepherd's voice. And maybe that means I need to get cut down the volume of some other things in my life. Maybe there's some things in my life that are, are screaming and yelling for attention that have no business yelling for attention in my life. Maybe there's some things in life that are really, really loud and just really, really annoying. We've had a fire alarm issue in our house. Kendall's solution to a fire alarm issue is just to scream at it. Stop! <laughs> right? And it's just, it, it, it does no good. It's just annoying. It's just a beep. Yeah, it, there's no fire. Dinner's not even cooking. It's just beeps. And, and, and it's just a distraction. It's just an annoyance. If we're honest with ourselves, we have things in our lives that are like that fire alarm. We have things that we've placed in our lives. We've brought into our own homes. We've brought into our, uh, our daily occurrences that are just... Wah! Maybe they're people. Maybe they're habits. Maybe they're things. I, I, I don't know what it is for you. I know what they are for me. But if we ponder and we think about that, what is clamoring for my attention that's just distracting? I want to know the shepherd's voice. John 10, 4 to 5 says, when, we, when he has brought out all his own... He goes ahead of them, and the shepherd follow him because he, they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. May that be a prayer for all of us, that we will never follow a stranger. Growth is messy. It is messy, messy, messy. If you've been downstairs at all, it's messy, 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 messy. I we were grinding concrete glue this week. And um, I had to like take my clothes off in the garage to come inside, which was a very cold endeavor. But if I walked, if I walked inside, it was like a pig pen. 
you know, from Charlie. He's like, and like just dust is everywhere and shoes. I ruined like three pairs of shoes because I wasn't smart enough to put the ones I wore the day before on. But uh, so it was just, it was, you live and learn, right? Um, it was just a mess. It was just so messy. But the whole process is, is, is indicative of growth. We had to make a disaster of downstairs before we could start to pull it up to be what it's going to be. And one of the biggest things I've learned about uh, the difference between myself and someone who knows or kind of knows what they're doing uh, with, with craftsmanship and, and making things and, and doing things is they are not afraid to fail with it. Right? I've learned, this is the biggest trick from me, from someone who is a professional at woodworking or plumbing or electrical or furnace work or whatever, they know that Home Depot is only five minutes away. Right? As me, who does not know what he's doing, I'm scared to go back to Home Depot and be like, I broke it. Can I get another one? <laughs> right? But the professionals, there's a reason that contractors are always at Home Depot. is because they're like, I broke that one. Let's try it again. They're not afraid to fail. And I, I think that's the growth that people can deal with as we think about how we're growing is we have to not be afraid to fail. Because if I think God is our, as our father, is not mad at us when we fail in this attitude of spiritual growth. Think about it. You're not upset with your kid. When, like if I had a conversation with, with my kids and said, okay, kids, how do you make cookies? I want you to make cookies for me. Well, there'd be shells in that, and like, you put the eggs in. Do you crack the eggs? No, you just throw the eggs in. You pour milk in? Oh, yeah, how much? The whole thing. Right, I mean, you're going to get that, and it's kind of cute and funny, and you're like, well, that wouldn't work, but good try. And I think sometimes our prayers to God, God's just like, oh, that's cute. (laughs) You're trying really, really hard. But in those moments, in that conversation, see, the key is not that I'm getting the conversation right. The key is that I'm having the conversation. With my children, if I'm going to form them and develop them, I need to have that conversation and say, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but eggs have this thing called a shell, and we need to crack it and open it, and you do this. Oh, that makes sense? Yeah. We don't want crunchy cookies. And so, and so but the same thing was with Jesus and with God, and it was as we're praying and we're developing. He's like, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, you got some funny ideas about that, but let's mold and shape that and push on that. The, the area in which... Um, and I don't do this nearly as enough as I need to, full disclosure. The area where I see God pushing and molding me and having that conversation back with me is journaling. Is when I slow my brain down enough to just write out my prayer, I will start half the page in writing it, and I'm like, talking like a three-year-old trying to make cookies. And then by the end of the time, God's already started to push back on those earlier. You can read it and go, whoa, he changed my whole thought process just in two pages of writing. I don't do it nearly enough. I don't know why, but I don't. Um, but I want to urge you to, maybe that's something in this new year, you say, hey, you know what? I want to try to journal just a page a day. As I read the scripture, it'll take you five minutes. But you can start to see God forming your conversations. It's beautiful to read back over a journal that you did three years ago to see how God just, you can like check them off. Wow, how he changed that, how he changed that. Oh, I thought that was a big deal. It was not a big deal at all. Yeah, and you just go over it and go through it. And, oh, my goodness. And you have record of what God has done in your life. You have God, how God has taken the mess and made something beautiful. 
Growth is vital. We don't reach our potential without growth. I've been very interested in how this whole growth of skin. Skin is an amazing thing. Um, as a, I, it's just amazing how it works. Is you can cut yourself, and in a couple of days, it's, that cut's gone. You can remove part of it. I mean, depending on how much you've removed, it might be a week, but it grows back. That's amazing. But the only way it does that is because you're having growth, and you don't get, you know, if, if you've worked with your hands or you play guitar, anybody who got a guitar for Christmas knows that there's a growth that needs to happen on your fingers. They're called calluses because you can play one day on a brand new guitar. The second day, it feels like someone is cutting you when you play on the guitar until you build up those Calluses. Some of us, when we, we, we deal with growth, our body has reacted to that to say, hey, you need this now. You need those calluses now. In spiritual ways, as we grow, sometimes we need calluses in places. We need thicker things some places. We need to change. Our bodies and our spirits need to change in certain ways. And that only happens by exercising it, by practicing it, by doing it. Growth is vital to that. When we stop, if I play the guitar for a month, I start to develop my calluses. But I stop for a year and I go back and pick it up, well, I can play it good for about six minutes. And the pain's gone. And pain comes back and, and it all hurts again. Paul, Paul found this out this week. He cut the end of his finger off. You know how hard it is to play guitar? He didn't cut it off. He cut just the skin off. Sorry. He's like, no, it's still there, Jared. It's still there. Uh, you know, uh, but he cut, he cut a big old honking chunk out of his finger. And he's like, I don't know how I'm going to play the bass this week. That's going to be fun. Because the pain of that and the pushing of that is just is rough and you feel it. I think sometimes um, when we deal with growth, we're, we're, we, we have to go through that pain. We have to go through that changing. We have to push through that. But so often in spiritual matters, we're willing to do that at the gym. Some of us are willing to do that at the gym. I'm not. <laughs> some of us are willing to do that at the gym. Some of us are willing to do that um, and, and, and financially with budgets. And some of us are willing to do that in, in different areas of our lives. But when it comes to spirituality, when we run up it's against something that has a little resistance, we're like, well, God must not want it for us. You show me one person in the scripture, one hero of the faith that had it easy. The people we look up to the most, the people that we're like, oh, I want to be like that guy, the most had it the roughest. They've got the biggest spiritual calluses. And so I, I, we have this misnomer in our heads that we think everything should be honky-dory if we just walk and in, uh, in, in pray every once in a while with Christ and everything's going to be good to good and we're good to go. Really, in that mess, in that stretching, is and in the pain... And in the hurt sometimes, but in that conversation, in that wrestling, is where our faith develops the most. Another thing growth is, is growth is new. Growth gets to experience new things, does it not? Just like I said earlier about the Six Flags experience, you get to experience new things. Sometimes in, in faith, we go to church. Maybe we go to life group. Maybe we listen to a little Christian music. 
We go home, rinse and repeat. We wonder why our faith stagnates, and we wonder why everything's just the same, and we wonder why, man, God doesn't feel very real to me, and He feels very far off. It's because we've only been doing the same thing, this, the bare minimum, over and over and over again. How does it work if you just do the bare minimum in your marriage? Hint, it doesn't do very good. If you do the bare minimum in your job, you get fired. If you do the bare minimum in other things, it just doesn't work out very well. And for our spirituality, for some reason, we think the bare minimum is good enough. We have to push through that to experience the newness. When you push through the, uh, the, the hesitancy and the resistance of that, we get to experience new levels of intimacy with God. And maybe that for you for this Christmas, or for this new year, wrong holiday, <laughs> I got sick, I like miss Christmas, all right, uh, so um, for, for this new year is that we experience new things, that we experience it, maybe you need to find, there's a book called Celebration of Discipline, it has all kinds of different spiritual disciplines that would revolutionize your spiritual walk, and it's a pretty easy read of just going through fasting and prayer meditation and, and journaling and all these different things that you could just, oh man, focus in on and, and really develop for yourselves. I'd like to pick one. Maybe you've never fasted before. But you know what? One day a month, a month I'm going to fast and just focus all my, every time I hear, feel a hunger pain, I'm just going to pray. How would that change? Just experience a new spiritual discipline. Not to earn God's favor, not to, oh, look at me, I fasted, I'm a better Christian, I'm the best. No, 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 no. It's all about developing and experiencing that new relationship with God. What if this year we, we resolve to do something new? As a church, we should be focused not only on the growth of ourselves, but the growth of those around us. Growth sounds very individualistic. It, it sounds like a very personal thing, but it does work the best when it's done in community. I would, our life groups are going to kick up here in, in February at some time. And uh, we're, we're, if you would be interested in being a leader for life groups, we'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, we're going to have very uh, specific things that go on for men's group and ladies group and uh, Bible studies and things all over the community uh, in life groups. But these are wonderful times to sign up for about an eight-week, ten-week time period to experience life with each other and experience these common things uh, with each other. So I want to encourage you to do that, but maybe that's the new thing that you can experience this year. As you say, you know what? I'm going to try the life group thing. Maybe it, was, it sounds weird. I'm kind of scared of all these people. Just try it. They will not bite you. I promise. I don't know. Some of those life groups, no. Actually. Um, we have all kinds of uh, opportunities for that. Maybe that's your new thing this year. But I think in, in doing a community, and Paul talks about in Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 9 to 14, he talks about this community aspect of growth. And I thought this was just beautiful. For this reason, since the day we have heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyfully thanks to the Father who has qualified you <coughs> to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. 
For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Did you catch that? Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. But this is not, this is a prayer of a group of people for a whole other church, not for an individual person, but a, a, the group surrounding Paul, that they, they are praying and yearning and pleading for God, that they would grow in the knowledge of God. What does it look like? Because when I'm thinking about spiritual growth, I'm thinking about me. What does it look like if we flip that and we think about spiritual growth and I'm thinking about you? God, I wish they would experience God on a whole new level. I wish they would experience you in a whole different way. When, it, when spiritual growth becomes a community event instead of an individualistic event. You see how that would, I think that would radically transform how we even look at spiritual growth. To know that there's a body of believers, a whole church praying for us praying for you to experience God in a whole new way. Because sometimes it gets kind of lonely. Well, you know, I don't feel like anybody's paying attention if I read the scripture. Nobody cares if I pray or nobody. It feels very lonely in that. But to know as a church, if we're walking lockstep to say, hey, I'm praying for you this week, that you would experience God in a whole new way, that you would grow in him in a beautiful way. What is that? I think that would radically transform spiritual formation. How do we pray for others for growth? How do we pray for ourselves in growth? Pray that we would know the shepherd's voice. And I think we'll also flip that and pray for that others would know the shepherd's voice. Do we spend time for, uh, praying for others around us to experience growth? It's a kind of an indictment, I think. It is uh, just almost a novel thought. Like, I didn't even think about that. Maybe I pray for my kids, but I don't pray for other people that they would experience spiritual growth. Write down how you can push yourself for spiritual growth this year. We're going to take communion in a moment. I want to focus on uh, spiritual growth in that communion moment. How do we uh, try something new? Do we need help finding something new to experience? I would be love to walk you through that. Is it trying a life group? Is it trying a, a prayer partner? Is it trying an accountability group? Is it try, what, what does that look like for you? But in this new year, what, how are we going to push ourselves for spiritual growth? Maybe it's just stepping out on a limb and praying for somebody else. They don't have to know that you're praying for them. But just stepping out on that and saying, you know what, I'm going to covenant with myself and with you, Lord, that I'm going to pray for so-and-so. I think that would radically change our relationships. I think that would radically change the community in which we're building here. If we knew we were praying for each other, or we just did pray for each other. Relationships look different when that starts to happen. As we take communion today, I just want to focus in on those, those three things. Uh, focus in on those questions. How do we pray for ourselves for growth? God, do, just over and over again, ask yourself in, those, in that moment as you hold the elements, God, do I know your voice? And can I know your voice better? My prayer for myself is that I don't get distracted by strangers' voice. My prayer for you is that you don't get distracted by strangers' voice. Here at Shorewood, we, off, uh, 
operate under uh, open communion, which means if you believe that Lord Jesus is Lord in life, if you're um, has come into your heart and is the Lord of your life, that you can take communion here. It's grape juice and, and uh, matzah bread, and we would love for you to participate in that as symbols, as a memorial of um, what Christ did on the cross, his body broken for us and his blood poured out for us. But that's how we, uh, how we do communion here. Uh, we're going to sing a song. I would ask you to come forward in the center aisle and go back to your seats in the back. Um, during the song... You, I will not uh, prompt you to take uh, the elements. You can take them at your own time when you feel uh, reflectively better. I'll pray for the elements um, here and the dismiss you after communion is over. God, we thank you for the sacrifice that you did on the cross. We thank you for all that you are doing for us. God, I am excited about this new year. I'm excited about what you have for us. I'm excited about... <coughs> how you're going to grow this community uh, spiritually and grow it together. God, I ask you that you would make your voice so loud in our heads that your leading would be palpable, that we would know um, maybe in the directions that we have been going how we need to be corrected, that we as your sheep would feel your shepherd's crook guiding us, goading us, saving us, pushing us, keeping us from trouble, keeping us from harm, protecting us, that we would experience all of that in this new year. But God, that I would, I cry out that I would hear your voice. Maybe that means I need to be silent. Maybe that means I need to push away the other voices in my life. Dim them all down so I can concentrate on yours. God, as I think of you as my shepherd, as I think of you, I think of the sacrifice, and of course I want to hear your voice. I thank you for redeeming me. Thank you for what this communion represents. Your body and your blood shed for us. And covering our sins and redeeming us. That we are no longer guilty, but found pleasing to you. God, we ask you to shape us in these moments. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.